Anchored in Reaching is for curious people who want to explore the story that God is writing in history and who are looking for their own place in that story to find meaning and vibrancy in their life and vocation. I'm Kevin Minoya. Join me each week as Susanna Fleming and I probe the edges of faith and living, always in relation to God who knows you best. For some, it'll be an opportunity to anchor yourself more securely in your faith. For others, it'll be motivation to reach out to engage more broadly. In either case, these conversations should encourage, enlighten, and challenge you. Hey, what an absolute joy it is to be able to sit here and talk about the kingdom and to know that you're joining us and that you're listening in, whether you're driving your car, whether you're sitting on your couch, whether you're at work or on the Peloton, whatever it is that you're doing, <laughs> I'm just really glad to know that we can have a conversation about this. And for the next 20 minutes or thereabouts, we're going to have a conversation that takes us beyond where we've been and moves us into another uh, another episode of this podcast, Anchored in reaching, uh, and particularly in the series that we're calling Generous Engagement. Today, we want to talk more about relational, more than propositional. And and uh, Susanna is here. And uh, I, Susanna, hey, I, I don't know about you. Are you on your, you're not on your exercise cycle now, are you? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. But mad respect to the people who are, because I actually... I love to podcast while I run, not record podcasts, but listen. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, good. That's a good thing. I just think it's the best way to multitask ever. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I sort of agree, but I haven't quite gotten to the point where I can do it while I'm working out. But it's, yeah. <laughs> it's, it, we're, we're turning the corner and, and we're moving into uh, this subject, um, generous engagement uh, in the whole podcast idea of Anchored and Reaching. Again, I think that paradigm is so important. We remain anchored in who we are so that we can reach into a pluralistic environment, uh, mm-hmm. bringing the kingdom near. So, uh, Susanna, what are the thoughts that you have? Guide us a little bit here in this conversation now that, now that we know that people are, are exercising um, really actively <laughs> yeah. here. Yeah, well, so Generous Engagement, that's the series that we're in. And just as a reminder, really what we're talking about in Generous Engagement is living on mission. That's really what that means. It's it's how you live on mission. And how we want to live on mission is people who are engaging the world around us with generosity, with hospitality, with a uh, a vulnerability in a way, in the way that Jesus made himself vulnerable to the world when he came, you know, he obviously walked in power and authority, but he let people affect him. That's that's a huge part of what he did. So we want to engage the world with generous engagement. And the last conversation that was had right before this that Kevin spoke on was the concept of how when we engage the world generously, we have to look at truth more as uh, relational than propositional. We have to engage the world in a more relational way than a propositional way. So just straight up, we want to communicate what that means practically. That means that rather than introducing people to a set of truth statements or values, we're introducing them to the person of Jesus. We are introducing them to a relationship with Jesus. We are 
we should know, and I think many of us know, that we can know everything there is to know about God without actually knowing him, without actually being in a relationship with him. That is not what we want, but that would be an example of having just propositions without relationship. What we need to do is we need to introduce people to a person, the person of Jesus. And I think just, well, Kevin, do you want to comment on that? Because I have yeah, another, because, I'm just going, yeah, I'm just yeah, preaching. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I really appreciate that because if I could finish your sentence, we want to introduce them to the person of Jesus more than a proposition because fundamentally we believe that truth is a person more than a proposition. Jesus said, yes. 14, John 14, 6, I am the way, I am the truth. Jesus is the fullness of God in bodily form. So when we introduce people to Jesus relationally, uh, they know the truth, and that's where their freedom comes, and that's where salvation, that's where proximity with God comes. So, so, and and again, the point made in the in the previous uh, podcast in the previous episode was that we relate to truth, uh, we relate to a person differently than we relate to a proposition. It changes our mind, it changes our heart, it changes how we approach, it changes our engagement. Everything is different. We approach a person with desire. We approach a proposition often with doubt. So, yeah, I would mm -hmm. just finish your sentence that we introduce him to Jesus because he is the embodiment of truth. Yes. And, like, obviously, we know about a person. There, there are certain truths we can know about a person that helps us know them and be in relationship with them. So, of course, there are truths about Jesus and about Christian faith that people can know that helps them be in a relationship with Jesus. But it's so important that we don't reduce Christian faith to a set of to, to understanding. Yeah. Christian faith is not just about understanding. It's about living in relationship. I can say that I'm a Christian without living the fullness of a Christian life. I can know that Jesus died for me, that he rose from the dead on the third day without walking in day-to-day -day relationship with him, listening to his voice, praying, submitting myself to his authority. That is a full, beautiful Christian life when we do those things. And if we're not understanding that that is the fullness of a Christian life, not just believing that he died on the cross and rose from the dead, then when we introduce people to Christianity – we accidentally introduce them to a kind of dry toast, like boring, just like go to church and just believe it. But what we actually believe is that like being a Christ follower is dynamic. It involves growth. It involves relationship. And so, you know, we have to start there. Like this is what it's all about. Yeah. Well, let me pull it back into myself as a person who is reaching the culture. Rather than what we hope for culture or what we hope for our neighbor to experience, here's, here's I guess, what I would say. Um, obviously, there was a time in my Christian walk and in my life when I wanted other people to know what I know and even have what I have when it comes to eternal life and abundant life with God through Jesus Christ. And so that was kind of this, this, this uh, I want you to know what I know. I want you to have what I have. But there comes a point where, where it, it flips into something different, to where my motivation is not so much for you to know what I know and have what I have. Now my motivation is, I want to know you. I'm more interested in you than what you think. I want to know you. 
as a person. Because as I know you as a person, I'm going to find the image of God in you somewhere. It might be covered up over all kinds of layers of selfishness, but somewhere in there, I'm going to find the image of God. So that is going to position me in a relationship with you rather than make you the object of my initiative to impose what I know or what I experience on you. One is going to compel me when I say, I, I want you to know what I know and experience what I experience. That's going to compel me to figure out methodologies, protocols, and procedures to how to evangelize you better. Mm-hmm. Right. When I start by saying, I, I'm more interested in you than, than, than in what you think, then that's going to compel me to figure out how do I open myself to you so that you and I can know one another. And in that, I have the confidence that the Christ who is in me is going to suddenly begin to become evident to you through my life. Right. It does. So there's basically two layers to this. There's the layer of we're introducing people to a person of Jesus more than just a set of propositions. And also, yes. when we do that, the way that we generously engage is through relationship rather than just truth t- telling, which is something we talked about with um, with descriptive versus prescriptive. Yeah, because here's the deal. I mean, ultimately, isn't it true that if Christ is in me, then I become Christ to the world? I mean, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. So if I walk in a room and Christ is in me, then um, is this a bit of a strong statement to say that Jesus just walked into the room? Um, and And so as I open myself to knowing other people and they get to know me, now they're getting to know Christ, the Christ who is in me. Um, Right. So it becomes a personalized, relational engagement rather than here comes the guy who has a lot of information about God and Jesus and and we can pick his brain or he's going to dump it on us. Yes. I And I I think we should just take a moment to... I mean, clarify for anyone who whose mind might be racing right now. Like, we're, what that I'm yeah, not that Kevin I'm not Jesus. Not Let's Jesus. just make that absolutely clear. <laughs> I am not Jesus. No, no, no. That is not what is being communicated there. Um, as a quick aside, my dad um, is brilliant. He is a pastor. He has a doctorate. But there was a time in the hippie movement where he did think he was Jesus. So. That is a thing that people think. Oh, okay. um, he, his mind was, you know, his mind was obviously redeemed, and now he's a Christ follower. But that's not what we're saying. What we are saying is that because the same power that raised God from or raised Christ from the dead lives in us, because we have the power of the Holy Spirit, we are called to be little Christs to the world. That's what Christian means. We are yes. Jesus's represent, representation to the world, for better or for worse, <laughs> and so. If we could really lean into that, if we could really lean into the fact that when we come into a room, we are a representation of Jesus, then we get to preach more with our actions than with our words. And I know that's a really popular phrase that gets thrown around kind of as a Christian cliche, but it's true. And so I think that's what you're saying, right, Kevin? Yeah, yeah, it really is. And and furthermore, um, And again, it's very difficult to explain this shift in perspective from I want you to know what I know to I'm more interested in you 
than what you think. That's a hard perspective, and it and it requires deep humility in me to be able to come to the point where I trust God to work through me naturally in yes. that way. But 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 the other thing, um, you know, I think there are a couple of other key principles. One then becomes. I want to know you because you're valuable and you're worthy. And I know that God wants to know you. So when I see people and I desire to know them, not to not to convert them, not to redeem them, but to know them, let the Holy Spirit be the one that nudges them and let Jesus be the one who is lifted up and draws them to him. I want to know you because you're valuable and you're worthy. And that's a hard principle to embody, but it's very relational as well. And and then I would say it's even more difficult for many Christians today to accept the reality that Jesus doesn't have sides when it comes to creation and people. He's not for some and against others. Jesus is for all people. Jesus is for all people. And if we can somehow start with that posture, Mm -hmm. suddenly it changes everything about how we relate to them. And by virtue of it changing how we relate to them, it changes how they begin to perceive Christ as more being for them than judging them for their misbehaviors and imposing upon them a set of beliefs and 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 dogma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a couple things that you said that really stand out to me. One is trusting God to work through us naturally. And I think that's important. Mm-hmm. We don't give the Holy Spirit enough credit. Like the Holy Spirit's the one that does the convicting, not us. The Holy Spirit's the one that does the wooing unto Jesus, not us. We get to be a conduit of God's grace on the earth, but it's the Holy Spirit that does the work. And so I think that's important. Like, do we really trust God to do that? And there are times where we do preach through words, right? There are times where in in a conversation like that will come out, but it's it's always best when it starts in a relationship. And in, in, like you said, giving dignity to the other person and honoring the other person, that's always going to be the best foundation for any conversation about Jesus, any propositional truth. So the other thing that you said that I think people probably want to unpack a little bit is the idea that Jesus doesn't have sides. And the only way that you can really come to this conclusion is if you start with the belief system that God wants all humanity to be saved through Jesus. Yes. Not yes. all Christians necessarily agree on that. So obviously you have, you know, conversations about total depravity, predestination, double predestination. If you're coming from that starting point, it's going to be difficult to believe that God wants all people to be saved and therefore Jesus doesn't take sides. We are coming from the starting point that ultimately God gave humanity free will out of love. He wants all people to choose him so he can be in eternal relationship with him. And therefore, Jesus came to die for everyone, and the Holy Spirit is working to point everyone toward Jesus. What does that mean at the end? Is everybody going to find Jesus? I'm not going to pretend to have the answer because Scripture isn't clear on it, that's for sure. However, 
However, we know that Jesus is the way to the Father, and if we come from the starting point that God wants all people to be saved, it would make sense that Jesus doesn't take sides. Uh, The place I think we should talk about, though, is, is maybe we should get into the conversation that there are forces at work that are coming against Jesus's work in the world. So then what does it mean that Jesus doesn't take sides in that case? Yeah, well, and I would say not only is it not only does it make sense in the paradigm that God wants everyone to be in close proximity with him or as some people call it be saved, uh I think it also fundamentally comes from the fact that God has created every person And every person is created out of the loving imagination of God, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And therefore, they are imbued with worth, value, dignity. And because of that, um, God is not going to be partial to some, some people that he has created or some portion of creation over others. Now, I Mm -hmm. understand what you just got through saying, because there are theological streams that think differently. And, uh, and, and we we can unpack that another time, but uh, we don't need to get into that here. And I certainly don't want to impose on people who have a theological premise uh, that that has some difference from that statement. Right. Um, I, I guess I'm trying to project the best, and I and I I'm not trying to be argumentative, but right. I, I, I just still felt it was feel worth explaining. F- it is. It, it is worth explaining because somewhere in the middle there, I still think, even though I don't I don't come from that stream, I think somewhere in the middle of all of that, there is this deep desire in their human heart to believe that God loves everyone. I really believe that Jesus doesn't have sides. He looks at a person who who is we would call the greatest of saints and he loves them deeply and he looks at the person who is so far astray and he loves them deeply and he looks at the person who is the nicest and he loves them and he looks at the person who's the meanest and he loves them so for us who are Christ followers in whom the fullness of Christ uh, dwells and who who are full who are seeking to be filled with God's holiness seems to me that when we look at other people if if they are in 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 joy we are in joy if they're in pain we weep and and we don't get defensive and we don't get divisive and we don't get this is my right and you can't do this to me we love them and and we 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 weep for them so that's what i mean when i say that jesus doesn't have sides so i i can't remember where you were headed there but i just want to make sure that the spirit of what we're talking about here is is really really underscored from a very holistic human way yes absolutely it is easier you know and, and you know i guess you were where you were going is is why is it that sometimes people or sometimes the church will tend to default to what people think and what people know and and i would just say that it's because it's easier to know something than to be someone in other words yeah uh you get what i'm saying it's 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 mm-hmm. much easier for me to know a certain list of things about theology or about God or about creation or about science or about anything than it is to be a certain someone. And what we're ultimately called to is to being someones, not to knowing some things, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. Yeah. 
The other direction I had was going, and we don't have to go there, but I had asked the question, if Jesus doesn't have sides, how do we reconcile the fact that there are you know, forces at work in the world that are coming against the kingdom of God? And how do we process that when it comes to relationship with people that we may put in that category? Well, I think putting people in that category is a, is a false imposition of our prejudicial opinions about who God is. And that's a, you know, that okay, may be that. A, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I think, I think that is, that is the limitation of our own th- thinking about who God is, and we put God in a certain box to presume that He has that He has favorites, that He has someone He's for and someone He's against. And when we put God in that box, then we start looking at other people and determining whether God would be for them or against them. And I don't think God is against anyone. I think mm-hmm. he might he is against anything that distracts them from the love of God through Jesus. He's against anything that will oppress them. That's right. why the big thing in scripture is justice. He's against anything that will undermine the dignity of their of their created humanity that is the image of God. He's against anything that will lure them into selfishness that draws them farther and farther away from him. But he is not against anyone. He is for everyone. It's so important because we all have elements of selfishness, things in our life patterns that are you know, stealing us away from the presence of God. We all do. And we're all on a journey to, you know, becoming holy as he is holy to being sanctified. So we're all on that journey. So for us to have the pride to look at another person and say that which is in your life, which is, you know, influencing you in a negative way, stealing you away from looking like Jesus, that in your life is bigger than that that is in my life and it makes God against you. Whereas he's for me, despite all of my sin is just a misappropriation of the gospel and it's pride and I do it. I have done it. And so I think it's, you know, a good reminder that that's not what we're supposed to be doing at all. Yeah. 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 Well, insecurity tends to manifest itself in, in, control and insecurity manifests itself in showing off or in impressing people with how much you know and how much you control so um insecurity manifests itself by saying uh you are not on god's side because you do this uh or god is not on your side because you are this way um, it's, it's, it requires a security in the nature of who God is to say, God is for everyone, but he's opposed to anything that distracts them from coming close to him. This is, mm-hmm. it's not rocket science. It's not rocket science. You know, God loves people. God created people. God put his image on people. Anything that is going to harm, hurt, undermine, or lure away, that is what God is against. We don't, we've got to be careful about saying God is for us and against them. That, mm-hmm. that turns into all, and that's been happening in politics. That happens in churches. It happens mm-hmm. in church competition. 
Uh, it happens in political competition, in geopolitical competition, that somehow God is for a certain group of people and against another group of people. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And in order for us to re- uh, to introduce people to a person rather than just a set of propositions, we all also have to be for people. Yes. Because if God is for people, then we have to be as well. Yeah, that's not easy to do, and that's why in twenty minutes of conversation we can't we can't uh, exhaustively answer every question. Uh, you know, I I don't know that we've done this before, Susanna, but I would say that um, if people do want to talk about this, I think there's a way for them to shoot in remarks. Uh, that might be a little dangerous to do, but because uh, <laughs> I, I assume there's a way to to get those to us. But uh, I'm hoping that this is going to find purchase in people's hearts to at least start them thinking. We don't have all the answers, but what we can do is maybe plant some seeds. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will water those seeds with this kind of conversation. Yeah, maybe we can drop an email address in the show notes or something. Yeah, yeah. We'll send it to Chris, the producer here, and he'll answer everything. Yeah. We, yeah, we want to come at this from a place of humility and we're having a conversation. So genuinely, if you want to continue the conversation, we'd love to have it with you um, because there's so many different directions we could go with this conversation. But we hope that this was thought stimulating and thought provoking and uh, we'll see you next time. Yeah. Yeah, you bet. God bless. Let me encourage you that who you are is more important than what you do. The lure of defining yourself by your performance is stronger than you might think. So join me in upcoming weeks as we explore the whole leader God created you to be.